0: Welcome everybody to the Hotel Moment Deep Dive on the hospitality staffing crisis. And uh, we're extremely excited to have an incredible panel with us of hospitality professionals with 50 plus years of experience all put together. We're all at different vantage points, different locations in the country, and there's a great diversity of opinions that will help inform and educate everybody on exactly what's happening on the front lines and of course at the, the larger level in the hospitality industry in the crisis around hiring the right staff and taking care of the the guests that are coming back in this accelerated travel recovery. So with us today, we have Melissa Bueno with Project Save Hospitality. We've got David Dickinson with Ambridge Hospitality. We've got JD Bryant with Choice Hotels. And we also have Peter Ricci with the Florida Atlantic University. And to kick off, uh, Melissa, we would love to hear from your perspective. How has the pandemic in the hospitality industry been with you? We'd love to hear a little bit about your story. Thank
1: you, first of all, for having me on. The pandemic has been brutal to me, and I'm sure that we all on this panel are sharing that same scenario here. First and foremost, before the pandemic hit, I was building hotels in New York City, and I was a sales coach for Marriott. I had the perfect life and loved my job. I had been doing it for several years. I grew up in hospitality. My parents owned restaurants. And so it's always been in my blood. And then obviously now I'm no longer in the hospitality sector. I am the founder of Project Save Hospitality, which helps people transition and help people find positions if they want to stay in the hospitality field, as well as I do real estate.
0: That's fantastic. We're we're glad mm-hmm. to have you here, Melissa, and I'm sure we'll double click on some of the experiences that you've had during the, the pandemic on the front lines uh, a little bit later. David, we'd love to hear from your experience being a general manager and hiring and what that experience has been like uh, in the pandemic.
2: I've been in hospitality for 13 years. I started in college, worked at a front desk, moved up to sales at a full service uh, hotel, then Eventually went back into operations and just progressed. I did task force for, I spelled and I came back to where I'm at in Oklahoma. I was a GM at the time during the pandemic where we had, fortunately had to lay off a bunch of our staff due to no demand. And I maintained a property throughout the whole pandemic. Luckily I wasn't laid off, but I unfortunately do wear more hats than usual during the pandemic. And now we're bringing ourselves back to more of a normalcy, but right now, Trying to get people on to join the mission has been a little bit difficult process.
0: Absolutely. And uh, thanks for that quick introduction. Peter, from the, the academic perspective, I know you, this is a topic around the staffing crisis that you've talked about quite a bit. What is it that you're seeing in the industry and, and what is it that has gotten you so interested in the topic? For
3: me, I've been in the industry my whole life since I was 14. So it's my passion and I've never seen anything quite like this where there's such a mass exodus. And as we get into deep dive about it, I'll talk about it. But what got me intrigued is that we hosted a certificate during COVID-19. And it went viral with almost 80,000 people from around the world. So people were telling us in advance that they weren't coming back to the industry. And they were disappointed and frustrated and upset. And I was getting thousands and thousands of those comments. So we put together a research project just to study the temperament, and it demonstrated the same outcome. I kind of knew this was coming, and I just hope we can get out of it with some creativity and some optimism. But right now, it's tough. David knows the GMs are doing everything right now because they're short-staffed everywhere around <laughs> the building. So, pleasure to be here. I thank you and Sanjana for inviting me. Thanks so much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to have you, especially as one of the people that has been ringing the bell and, and letting everybody know that this is coming. And now that we're in the thick of it, I think it's going to be great to explore uh, ways that the industry will grow and come out of this in a stronger way, as we've done with every other crisis that our industry has faced in the past. JD, what are you seeing around from your unique point of view in the industry?
4: It's definitely been an interesting time, and I I think we can edit your intro a little bit. That between Peter and I, I think we have more than 70 years. So with our other (laughs) colleagues on the line here, we may be closer to 90 or 100.
1: Absolutely. I I
4: started as a front desk agent when I was 17. I've been in, you know, uh, travel and tourism technology for 35 years. Remember 9/11, getting through that, and it's certainly been a crazy time. And Choice hotels that I work for clearly is in a very unique position because we don't actually own or operate any of the hotels that are our franchises, but our role is to provide support and guidance. And that's been our primary mission is support through COVID to help our hotels with the SBA loans, the PPP, and now it's the guidance on how to uh, attract and retain and elevate the existing staff.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And uh, certainly at this time, uh, a lot of support and guidance is needed because what's visible from the front lines at an individual property is very different from the macro landscape that we see. And with the introductions there, to to introduce myself, I'm Raj Singh. I'm CEO at uh, GoMoment. We're a guest engagement platform, and we have the privilege and the honor of working with incredible companies like Choice Hotels and uh, many others. That gives us this unique vantage point into how guests are behaving, what kind of service gaps are uh, currently existing, and of course, what role technology, automation, and artificial intelligence may play in the future of this industry that we love so much. And to give everybody a background, JD is 100% right. Uh, Collectively, we're well over 100 years of experience here, not at 50 that our uh, audience can benefit from uh, because my family actually own and operate hotels and resorts as well. And I've grown up around the industry, but with a more technical lens and a technology focus that has brought us to this guest engagement focus there. So moving the conversation forward, I think, Peter, I'd love to to understand a little bit more. You mentioned that you had 80,000 participants, if I'm not mistaken, on uh, that survey that you did and the, the folks indicating even early on that the, the pandemic had changed the way they were looking at employment, especially in the hotel industry. We're certainly seeing a lot of other unrelated factors like Chipotle, for example, raising their minimum wage to $15 an hour and providing a three-year track for folks to get to a management position and a $100,000 salary. Certainly, every hotel now has to compete for the same talent with folks like Chipotle and other restaurant and other hospitality businesses that are not lodging oriented. So I'd love to understand from your perspective, what did you see? What were the responses? What is the data telling uh, us about the, the talent pool right now?
3: Because I've been in the industry so long, my job, my the biggest chunk of my career path, I've done incentives and hotels and food and beverage when I was young, but the biggest chunk was in hotel management. So there were many hotels I took over that we were going to renovate and we furloughed the staff. Or we were opening new ones and we got delayed, so they were temporary. So when the pandemic started really becoming something that was real, I knew we'd be furloughing and laying off people and needed to keep them engaged. So I reached out to our own group of employers that post jobs with us, and they all said, yes, we'll be laying off this month, please do something. So we took the content of our existing face-to-face certificate, which was about 40 hours, We shrunk it to 15 and we put it online and we sent it out. Never knowing that we would get so many people interested, but it went viral because nobody had anything to do. They were home, the kids weren't back in school yet. There was still some time where they weren't going to school. So hospitality people can't sit idle. So they all started telling everybody else about the certificate. And in the end we had, I don't know, in the free one, something like 77 or 78,000 people register of which almost 65,000 of them fully completed, which was really, to me, the best part. A lot of people registered and weren't even in hospitality. They didn't know what they were getting into, but it was so like wildfire. So after the popularity of that, we took our regular certificate that we'd always charged money for of 40 hours. We put that online and we still have over three or 4,000 people in that right now. So along the way, people felt a connection to me and the faculty and the people that were interviewed in the videos, and they just started emailing me. Our university only has 30,000 students in total, so when you dump in another sixty or 70,000, it was overwhelming, but I have contacts now all over the world, and I started realizing their themes in their message were They felt very betrayed by the hospitality business. I'm old enough to realize that in the 70s, when we had the gas crisis, kind of reminiscent of this week, everybody thought the roadside hotels were going to come fast and then go away because people Mm -hmm. wouldn't travel by car anymore. There was a crisis. And then in the 80s, the IRS changed the tax rules and it was less, less sexy and beneficial to entertain in restaurants and hotels. So... Hotels thought they were going to have a big loss there. And then came Persian Gulf War and 9-11 and everything else. Every time we've had a crisis, we rebound by an infusion of some technology and a staff reduction. And this has gone on for 40 years now. To the point when the pandemic hit, my theory is that people in hospitality had never been completely severed from the workplace with time to reflect and think. And when they did, they said, oh, my goodness, my neighbor works less than me and makes more. He has better benefits across the street. Oh, my uncle does this. Oh, I can drive for Uber three days and make as much as I was working five days as a room attendant. And the comments started flooding and flooding. So I went to my faculty in the fall and I said, listen, let's put together a research project We sent it out. We got about 4,500 responses. I think 4,100 or something like that were fully usable. And the story was exactly that. They feel betrayed. Now you see in the news that revenues are higher in some places than 2019, that stock values have already come back. Well, the employees feel like they were just pushed aside. And we have many that worked for decades in this business that have just clearly said, I'm not coming back. I'm going to do something else. So commend In-N-Out Burgers and Chipotle for starting the trend of improving because some of the biggest comments are there is no career path and I don't make money at the entry level compared to my friends. So that's that's a starting point. But you got a panel. I could talk about this forever. So in the meantime, I'm going to step away and bring you a book that we compiled of comments to show you how many, I think we have over 2 million so far.
0: Wow. It's a, it's yeah, we'd, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I would love know. to absolutely uh, see that. And I think your comment around uh, the career path is definitely really well received and something that yeah. I'm sure a lot of us can resonate with on, on that side, especially at the front line, at the individual property level. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the brands have a different kind of corporate structure and a different kind of path there. But I do agree. I think something that we also saw from our vantage point at Go Moment is that Uh, A lot of hoteliers and hotel workers have been engaged in this 24-7, 365 game of, of course, providing excellent service. And they really take a lot of pride in it. And that has been the fuel for talent to show up every day with a smile on their face, excited to greet guests and provide great service. And the pandemic did provide this pause to say, okay, how am I doing relative to my neighbors, my peers, and others? And it does seem like there was some disparity there. Melissa, I I saw you nodding your head. I'd love to hear... What has been your perspective uh, relative to to David comment?
1: So it's funny, as we were doing our own research at Project Save Hospitality, we almost felt like people, and pardon the expression, had Stockholm Syndrome with the hospitality industry. Because at first, they knew they were being abused at work as far as with their time, not physically or, or verbally. But and they knew that they were being underpaid and they knew that it this isn't the typical work-life balance but at the same time we had people saying i'm not leaving i'm holding strong i'm waiting for my job to come back and we had to be the bad guys and say guess what sweetie your job is not coming back and if it is it's not at the same capacity we had employers telling us that they can do more with less now. And they're going to continue to hold that strong throughout the way they operate moving forward, which in my market in New York City can pose a huge risk from not only a guest safety perspective, but from a building and maintenance perspective, because there is so much wear and tear on the buildings in in New York City. So it, it is, but it is strange. Like people were so upset about that. But then Again, they didn't, they were so upset about what had and they're like, how could my company betrayed, betray me? I did. I even, I was there I, when I got furloughed, I begged my, my boss. I said, please don't do this to me. Please don't do this to me. I can't do this because my husband had gotten laid off because he worked for IHD corporate. So we were both in, we're both about to lose two very viable positions and our life was about to drastically change. So we we went through that. And I, I bet I I remember saying I opened a hotel by myself for five months. You didn't have to hire anybody else. I saved you thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars and you just threw me away. They kept me on furlough for a little bit. And then they finally laid me off and now they don't talk to me anymore. And it's, it's like that bittersweet moment where you're like, Why, what did I do? You're like, did I do something wrong? Like what, how did this happen to me when I've done everything right? My story is not rare. There are several others, but there's still these people who wanna go back to the industry too, even though. Yeah, I mean, Peter, tell me, is there anybody who's saying to you, you know what? Even though I've been beat up by this industry time and time again, I'm still wanna go back. I still think my job's coming back. And that's something we have with Project Save Hospitality. We have people that don't want to they want to use us for resources for their, our career building resources and resume building and stuff, but they really don't want to leave the they're, they're like, oh my job's gonna come back in July. I'm like, maybe. Yeah. Hopefully.
3: Hopefully <laughs> we're, we're busier now than ever. David, are you busy in your part of the world yet?
2: Oh yeah. It's very finicky. No Oklahoma. I was at one property at the start of pandemic, about halfway through, I went to another property. And and that property never lost its step. It may it down a little bit and it, it back up just because of its location, right off the interstate. And just what you guys follow up on what you guys are saying it, and just one of my observations as someone who had to went from a team of thirty down to six, is that I wondered if we if the hospitality industry itself could set itself up for failure, like we had a big balloon because there's a lot of positions that were superfluous. They were just there. We had the extra money. Life's good. So we know, hey, we need this. I had three housemen at my last one of my properties. I only need one or I didn't have one for a long time. It's just, I think what happened was hospitality, especially in the hotels, we grew and grew and as businesses grow and grow. And so we kind of met that. But once the pandemic hit, nobody was traveling. No one was using hotels. And so we had just where I'm at in Oklahoma City, when I was, When I first moved out here 12 years ago or 15 years ago, I'm sorry. Wow. We had half as many hotels as we do now. And so we're all fighting for 5% occupancy rather. So it seems like, and I think what you brought up, Peter, is that uh, technology advancing and bringing on some new stuff that kind of, we all balloon, then we get deflated and then we have some new technology that helps us out. Then we do follow that same pattern. Because I think at one point the industry as a whole, it was 36,000 hotels are looking to be out of business, shut the doors forever, and now yeah. it's 57,000 in the United States. So just outside looking in, did we, have, did, you, did we have way too many hotels to sustain this massive loss in business? And I know New York is a little bit more locked down than we are in Oklahoma compared to Texas, and we're starting to see a lot more business people come out and we got salts of the earth kind of workers out here they didn't wear a master out the whole pandemic so no matter how much you yelled at them but it's we're seeing I think we're just seeing a kind of realignment of what our priorities need to be for example my I did a Marriott property right at the start of the pandemic before pandemic I was spending about 10 grand a month on breakfast supplies. To a very big Mm -hmm. breakfast now you did a very small continental it's like maybe we we expanded our amenities way too much and we were trying to outdo each other and when you keep wanting up each other you're eventually going to hit a wall yeah and that pandemic was this wall but where do you
1: draw that line from your from our perspective from somebody who's watching the the industry staff back up and who's literally part of the process because that's what my company does how can you i understand Stand we're doing we're, you're saying I had three housemen and now I only need one, but do you only need one for right now? Or because we see that they're having, you should have two front desk agents in New York city. I know one was quite different and they're sensing it down to, tw- to, to one. And those per- people are working 12 hour shifts. When do you say that we can afford a little more staffing so we don't kill the great staff that we have that have floated us through this? Because. I'm telling you right now, the way that the staffing models were everybody's, everybody even full service is ramping up like an extended stay labor model. Mm -hmm. It's not, people are not coming back to the right positions. So you're not hiring directors of sales anymore. You're doing area directors of sales, that's fine. I get it if it's in the same position and the same area, but with that position. But then let's talk about front desk agents who have to rear the breath of OTA guests that have to be serviced in a different manner and they're not safe or protected anymore because we've decided that we can do less with more and it, it, that's where it, this all comes crashing down
2: well yeah and but before this pandemic hit you said you have two front desk people i think post probably in the next year to three years i think it's going to be we're going to see the rise of hybrid positions where you would have someone you pay them a little bit more they do front desk and maybe they do some houseman duties or i have Two of my housekeepers can do front desk if need be, where I have front desk. I can check rooms if need be. I think that's, I think the ones who are sticking around the ones we do have, we have to look at, like I said, I had three housemen at one point. If I'm not seeing a lot of foot traffic at night, what's the point of having a houseman when I just can just use one, a pure one in the morning, but I can have a runner slash the guy can do check-ins if need be during a small mm-hmm. spike in occupancy. It's right. I think we're especially with technology catching up now, we're starting to see kiosk where you can check yourself in. Or you have the automatic, like if Marriott has where you can download, you don't even need to talk to the front desk. So the spur of technology may alleviate the demand we have on the people right now. Cause I imagine probably five to ten years now, you're probably not. You're going to have a hybrid front desk with a kiosk because kiosk you spend, you, you do the upfront capital, of, let's say $25,000. That's about roughly what you pay a front desk person a year, but they never call in. They're, they're just there and you hit a button, you get a key and that's how it goes. I know you're, we're taking, that's sort of taking the hospitality out of the, being in this field, but and yeah. From a brand and
4: franchise perspective, I think there's two things I'd like to bring up. One is the breakfast. I agree, but that all got out of control. And I think the industry all yeah. agree that $50,000 or $100,000 that you're saving is allowing you to reduce your total cost of ownership of the property and be able to put those funds into other things such as recruitment, retention, and things of that nature. And sorry, there's a wicked storm outside. The second That's part of storm. It- Yeah, it's coming down, terrible. Um,
1: Take cover.
4: (laughs) uh, Oh, that's nothing out in- He doesn't doesn't have any staff to help him right now, so he's got a technology. So the positions that are coming back (laughs) are changing and will be changed permanently because the hotel industry has always been a laggard in technology. And finally, everybody's eyes are opening up. What can we do to reduce the total cost of ownership? And really, that's been our focus to our franchisees during this pandemic is to help them focus on lowering the total energy operations and ownership the a year ago when i would talk to hotels about the benefits of having uh, smart thermostats in the room and energy savings and things of that nature i'm a technologist i always have i always will be love hotel operations front desk love the industry and the that was always the 10th thing on their list because they were super busy, making lots of money, saving money. It was an effort, and they just didn't have the bandwidth or capacity to focus on that, where today they're focusing on reducing that total cost of ownership while still providing an acceptable service level to the guest. You talk about kiosks. Technology is there today. Right now, they're like ATMs. Tomorrow, when somebody walks up to a kiosk, It's going to be a screen it's going to be an agent saying hey welcome to the hotel scan your id scan put in your credit card it's going to dispense the key i'm here if you need anything please let me know enjoy your stay and they're never going to realize that person could be in a different state or a different country housekeeping efficiencies technology in that area it is changing the way we're going forward and owners have become a lot more focused on optimizing efficiency and staffing at the right level. And go ahead.
1: So, with all those technology changes, how are you ensuring guests and staff safety? That's where my breakdown is because we can have cameras everywhere, but if there's not a second person in that building, you're alone. You're a dead. You're a fish out of water. You're a dead fish at that point. You know what I mean? Who's pushing you back in that water? If, I always know?
4: agree there has to be somebody at the hotel. <clears throat> you know, I don't want to stay in mm-hmm. a place that doesn't have a you know somebody on property in case of emergency or a fire. <laughs> New right. York's a little bit mm-hmm. different. It's a 24 hour city. There's a lot more going on. Most of our properties right. are in secondary and tertiary markets, drive up. We have a hotel on every fourth exit in America. So it's a little bit Effective based on the locations. I, it's yeah.
3: funny because we have these multiple things going on. We we can infuse technology so much that we take the, take away the guest experience. So it's up to the guest to tell us how far they want us to go. Automatic check in, electronic room keys, all that's here to stay, and people love it. But there's always been that laggard group of people that don't want it that want to have their rooms cleaned every day that want to see somebody at the desk when they need info so that's never going to go away because that's who we are but i think right now what's really irritated the situation is there are many hotels proudly claiming their revenues are up above 2019 and there's plenty of nice articles out there saying stock values have returned to all the major hotel companies but the people have not returned and so mm-hmm. you're more adding, you're adding more fuel to the fire. And I know we're focused on hotels. I want to step away for that for a minute because we've heard from theme park people, cruise line people, online travel agency people, restaurant catering events, they're bailing across the industry. And so we do need a soul-searching change of pace. I counter David a little bit because I think. I have a broader view, being older, of how much staffing we've cut. Because I tell my students, if you were a front desk agent in the 70s or 80s, you had two or three people standing next to you. You had a separate person answering the PBX, the personal broadcast exchange, the switchboard. You had a supervisor. You had an assistant desk manager and a desk manager. Every crisis, we've eliminated one of those positions. In the midst of the pandemic, I had lunch with the regional VP of HR for a quick service chain, and he asked to step away for a minute because they had a technology company there debuting their new kiosk. And he was so proud because that kiosk was going to eliminate one full-time equivalent from every one of his stores. And I said, you're super proud about that. Have you asked guest feedback first? Have you tested it in test markets? That's what we're doing now. But there is a rush to save money, be efficient, and make profits. But instantaneously, we're reporting great numbers on the stock market again and again forgetting the steps. So there has to be a balance. So mm-hmm. I've personally taken it upon myself. And I don't, I don't really care at this point if I have 10% naysayers and 90% on or wherever the balance goes. But I've personally taken it upon myself to reach out to corporate CEOs and say, who is going to ride with me to be the first brand or company to get it? And if you get it, I will be there with you finding you talent. Because whoever gets it, redesigns their staffing levels, gives something back to the employees and makes this a better workplace like it was in the past. They're going to lead us out of, this, out of this abyss better than their peers. And I do have GM saying to me, stop talking on podcasts. You're making us raise our pay. This is ridiculous. They're a handful, tiny minority. Most people are saying it's about time we've had something to stop us in our tracks and look at what we're doing to our employees. That's the majority. But there are still some with their heads in the sand that are blaming it all on unemployment insurance benefits, saying the workers are lazy, they don't want to come back. That's pure BS. What we've done is given them a chance, like Raj said at the beginning, a pause. I like how you said it. We had a pause where we could see what our friends and family and neighbors were doing and what they were earning and how they were treated and what their benefits were. My career is predicated on Primarily franchisors or management companies. When I worked for management companies, we always automatically had the extra layer of cost to the owner. So we had to outperform just to earn our management feedback. So when you start cutting and cutting at the bone and pulling away staff positions so that you can raise your profit margin by 0.5% for the year, it's no wonder so many people bail. But there think, is optimism. There is a middle ground. It's just we need to work on it. I, I don't know what that answer
4: choice corporately it's providing the support to our franchisees <clears throat> to go out and recruit. <clears throat> but it's up to the hotels to make it the environment the employees want to be at. You have to have the proper onboarding, the proper training, where they feel proud to be there, proud to put on the badge, and then treat them well, pay them well, and treat them well so that they're your advocate. They should be your recruitment team in the local market because you're so good to work for. I'm valued, I'm respected, and you've already got, David, I'm sorry it's down to six, but that's six people that can say how superb of a general manager you are and how respected they are as employees, and they value that, but they still have to earn a fair wage. That's coming.
1: Yeah. And I, mean, I think, too, though, I think, too, that we have to start just from working with hotel. Obviously, I work with a lot of hotel owners. I think that there's an education misstep, too, with the ownerships. There's people who've never owned hotels before and are coming over from residential or senior living and they're saying, OK, we're going to we know how to we know how to do this. We're going to hire this management company. But then when they look at this at the asset manager from the management company, which is I'm I, which I do sometimes because I am a certified hotel asset manager, but we're, we're getting questions like, why do we have to pay an extra 0.5 on housekeeping? I'm like, because this is the standard that have been, you have to constantly like t- answer these questions over and over again, because not only are we not training our people correctly, we're not changing training our ownership correctly. And I think that's really where we lose our balance. I can give you one great, Example, I worked for a major corporation as a director of sales and marketing on the corporate side. I did not get onboarded. I did not know my market. I did not know my property. In fact, I was relaunching the brand at that point for them. And I had zero training, and the ownership was asking me questions day two on why I wasn't producing record breaking numbers. And I had to train the people myself. this, This was before I was a certified hotel asset manager, this was before, this was years ago. And before i started building hotels and i knew what i was doing and i was expected when i had a humongous top three corporation standing behind me that had not educated the owners of this company or of this property or and was and had to retrain front desk and i'm like but y'all have been open for three years so what have you been doing for three years so there's a lot of hiccups in our industry as i call them that really can be alleviated But someone needs to band together and make it happen because people aren't listening right now. And we're seeing that more and more with our career fair, for example, we had a major company, the fourth largest company, fourth or fifth largest company for hotels represent themselves. And they came just for a PR and they sent somebody from a random hotel and it was, they had no jobs to give and it was really the only attraction. No one's taking this seriously right now. And it's really very scary.
4: Peter, I I want to share with everybody what's in your signature line (laughs) on your email.
1: Thanks, Peter.
3: I don't have it open, but it's basically if you don't invest in your people, they're going to go somewhere else. The CEOs are always like, I don't want to invest in the people because they're going to leave and go somewhere else if we train them. Well, that's BS. If you train them, they're going to do better for you if you treat them well. I, I want to bring up a text that I just got. Of course, the hotel company and the person will remain nameless, but the person was furloughed from a major franchisor, worked for the corporate managed hotel, was brought back, blew away first quarter goals in sales of 2021. Instead of the company saying thank you, they raised quarter two above 2019 already and just sent a memo. So that kind
1: of, I probably know. I know who that is. <laughs> but that that's kind very familiar. Of,
3: that kind of treatment cannot go on. If I am making you lots of money, I had to stand up to my management company one time and say, "I just brought you back a quarter of a million dollars in accounts payable that you were ready to write off that was a year old." And they said, "Oh yeah, that's value." And Melissa's right. We're constantly educating the owners as well. Raj, this you're a CEO. There's so many owners who jump in. And they're over leveraged. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't be there in the first place. And they're taking it out on the GMs and the staff. And so I encourage anyone watching this, do your due diligence of who you're going to go work for. This is a fantastic business. It's been my entire life from 14 to 55. If you have the desire to serve and love others, hospitality is great. But there are A and A plus players and there are D players. And right now, nobody knows where they're going to shake out because they're all mm-hmm. in a post-pandemic sort of chaos. And they're trying to recoup money from last year. Do your homework.
0: It's, it's it's a great point, Peter. I think going back to what David had mentioned, there was a lot of potential overstaffing that had happened during the run-up, right, up to 2019. We were in this incredible 10-year kind of uh, bull market where you know supply was going up, inventory was going up, staffing was going up. And I think that our age-old model in the industry has been, well, we need more help, so let's throw people at the problem rather than really analyzing the problem from a first principles perspective and uh, really making sure. So is it really the breakfast that is getting people in here or are we just adding bacon because we wanna one-up the hotel around the corner? And I think that what guests are telling us over and over is that they want a great lodging experience. More and more, one of the things that we're seeing out there from our vantage point is that human intervention, human interaction is desired by some guests in some instances, but by and large, if I can do something with a text or I can do something in an app, rather than talking to a person, Millennials who are the you know largest traveling hub portion of the market at this point prefer that and they are going to prefer and that trend is not going backwards it's only going to get more and more digitized so yeah, definitely agree with a lot of the points that we heard as far as taking a snapshot of the problem as it exists i think to j d s point not only do we need to recognize and train and support every employee but also compensate them in a way that is going to make them want to stay
4: because if
0: you're I, yeah I, go ahead
4: jD I, I'm sorry, dude i I don't ever want to be the fifth person in line at the front desk again if there is automation to help me through that mm-hmm. i'm an early adopter and that market right. isn't is changing entirely and one of the things that i do routinely when i'm at our properties especially the night crew is i'll ask them about choice university we have a huge online learning tool for them to further their education into all aspects of the hotel and help groom them for the management track in in the hotels, and so many don't know because it's not being filtered down properly. We try that we can, but ultimately, it's up to our franchisees to take our messaging down to their <laughs> employees and uh, and provide those assets to them to help
0: them. Exactly, and uh, just as the yeah. guest doesn't want to be standing behind four people to check in, the staff need more help they need assistance they need automation to make them able to do more and i think what another thing that i heard from everybody's points here just to recap is that it used to be that a front desk person was only a front desk person and they were helping with check-in they were helping with a few uh, different tasks there but with this hybrid position that we were talking about with david physical location matters less today we're all doing this i'm in california melissa's in new york peters in florida jd's in texas and david is in oklahoma physical location no longer matters as much, which means that front desk person, if they are aided by a kiosk, if they're aided by text messaging or some other kind of automation that can process the check-in when they're not right behind the front desk, then it really changes the game for us because that hybrid position means one person can be more effective and they can actually do a lot of different things. But of course, speaking for all the thousands of front desk agents and frontline staff that use our platform, if one more time somebody says, do more with less, I'm going to throw one of these books at them because (laughs) I know we're all tired of hearing that. And it is not just about working harder. It's about working smarter. With that said, as we enter the final 20 minutes of this discussion, which has been phenomenal so far, I'd love to uh, pose this question to the panel about let's fast forward to 2025, right? Let's say that this you know, bear market has you know, ended from a travel perspective. We're getting back into the bull market. We're getting back into rising demand and the revenge travel, the revenge spending that we're already seeing the first little bit of starts to become more of a thing and it's fully taken hold. So in the year 2025, what is the scenario that you personally see where hotels have figured out this problem what does that hotel of the future look like and, and how do we pull that future forward? So anybody want to go first on that?
2: I think the rise of technology, because product, productivity has increased with the labor market, Peter brought up from the 70s and gone up. Now, hotels require more capital to open up compared to what they need back in the 70s. Because when I first started in hotels, we used the bucket, we got rid of the buckets, the bucket checking. Now you do everything on a computer. Night audit used to be a long, ten, like a long process where you had to balance books. Now you got a computer system that does that for you. So I think that with the aid of technology, we are going to see the kiosk. We're going to see some different devices that would help speed up cleaning rooms. This is just a random hotel in Japan. It's fully automated with only one person on staff. And that's a guy who's just there to fix machines. Rooms are cleaned by a machine. It basically, you're check in with a mechanical T-Rex with a bell cap on its head. I've <laughs> seen that. It's, it's, Technology is going to change us. Dad. You're going to see less staff needed, but for ownerships or people looking to get into hosp- or opening hotels, we're going to see more capital needed per hotel. So we may see a, gro- grow, uh, a slow in growth of new hotels, but I think either ownerships, we'll start investing more technology into their existing properties because they have that that impression to grow from there. Because you know, this pandemic kind of shows that we need to, we got to learn how to do more with less. At the same time, we can't uh, simply use and abuse people like their capital or commodity. We are living, breathing mm-hmm. creatures and so we want to feel appreciative. Like I can't imagine checking someone, I'm born in 88. I can't imagine checking someone in the 80s because you had to use and paper, and I barely know how to write on using pen and paper. My handwriting's atrocious. I can't imagine trying to do that to someone else. So as technology grows, I think we're going to see the amount of people needed for hotels decrease, but I'm hoping the quality of life per each employee will increase. It's just, I think we're we're, everyone from ownership down to the employees are seeing that with the pandemic, because I know... Halfway through, I was looking to get out of the industry as myself. Is-
4: now, David, were you born in a hotel? Because you were born in 88, and you know about what a bucket is. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Sorry, Melissa, you wanted to go.
3: When you say the hotel at 2025, I think we can get there sooner. And again, I don't like to focus only on the hotels, but that's our example. To me, you'll be paying better than the market. You don't have to pay $100,000 for an entry-level person. It's not realistic for your profit margin. We're in business. But you need to be paying better than your peers. You need to have better benefits. I can't tell you how many employees in our business have zero benefits because they're too costly. So you need to rework your margins so that you are appreciated as a human being. And if you have a spouse, significant other, or kids, you can get care if you need to go to the doctor. So we need to be paying a little better than our peers, invest some money in benefits more than we've done now. But cut, cut, cut has been the answer for the past decade on benefits. And then infuse technology where it's appropriate to eliminate excessive staff where you don't need it and improve the guest experience. You can do both with many kinds of technology. So it's not really rocket science. I just think it's a matter of conversation and sitting with the owners and reworking things. And I hate to say it, but I see the next two years of a lot of inflation and price increases, because as every business has started opening, it's already uh, moving. I've seen hotels here in South Florida charging more. And for this time of year than they ever have. It's almost as if it's high season and they're still operating with skeleton crews like David is. And so the guests are having very mixed messages of wanting to travel and having that pent up demand, revenge travel as you call it, but then getting service that's not equivalent to the price they're paying. That can't go on for long. So the hotel of 2025 pay better than your peers, have better work-life balance than you've had historically. Be a great employer in the community. So like J.D. said, they want to come and work for you and have some benefits that make sense. I'm so disturbed when I go to hotels and three or four percent of their employees have benefits because they just don't opt in. That's disgraceful. And the, the pause of the pandemic allowed them to see that their colleagues and their peers and their family members did not have that same situation. There's a way to fix that. I, mean, you know, I, I personally I want
4: out of the hospitality, running a hotel because of the quality of life issue. I was working 90 hours a week. I never saw my wife. I was like, this is ridiculous. And that is certainly an issue and it remains an issue. But go ahead.
1: But too, I, I get what you guys are saying. Like people are, are seeing, but let's really talk about the situation where like the lifelong People who were in pan- post-pandemic work, very immersed in the, in the industry, they aren't finding jobs now. It's not like they're getting the jobs their neighbors had. They're just jobless. I was able to morph into real estate, but I had to invest a lot of money in myself and a lot of education. And I was lucky to do well in it because I just, just go with things and I have a team of people working under me six months later. Like I just figured it out. But there's still a part of me that wants to go back to hotels. And they're still saying if my job was offered back to me, I don't care how much money I was making in real estate. Like I would go back to my old job. And that's, I have Stockholm syndrome, I swear. And I feel like it's just like being in that it's, and it's the environment you work in because you're always putting out fires. You grow addicted to that environment. And it's hard for you to step outside of that realm and be like, hey, listen, I don't have to put out fires all the time. I don't have to work 90 hours. You, you don't know what to do with yourself. It's hard to adapt outside the industry. Mm-hmm. So uh, real estate was easy for me because it was my own business and that I'm the CEO of Project Safe Hospitality. So it's my own thing again. So I, I dedicate the same amount of time. Am I making the same money? No. Am I in the same situation? No. Do I have benefits? No. Like, it's still my life. My life still isn't as good. But digressing from that, let's talk about this 2025 things. I think the hotel, I think you'll see the higher end Luxury boutique hotels aren't going to always go automated. I think it's going to be per hotel and it's going to be per traveler. You're going to go to a Spring Hill Suites and you have automated service, that's fine for that demographic. I think it's going to, it's really going to, like you said, like the the guests will allow you what your capabilities are. But I think it's those special detail touches that you put into it that are going to break apart hotels. So general managers really have to step up to the plate and say, hey, listen, we're saving. $200,000 $200,000 on labor this year. Let's spend $50,000 on a guest experience of some sort. And that's where I think is going to bring, it's going to separate the good and the bad and the people who really care and the people who really don't care about the, the industry. And those are going to be the hotels that succeed and the ones that don't the ones that have the fun culture. And it is fun to work there, even though you have a kiosk checking you in and then, and I ran correctly.
4: I think short-term and long-term. Talk about 2025 in a second. Short term yeah. is the people that were in the industry are gone. They're driving Ubers. They're working for Amazon, great benefits. They're now working for Chipotle. There is a management track. Their skill set they realized is applicable in a lot of different places, not just hospitality. And, and that's for line level employees and mid management as well, because they've had to pivot, just as Melissa has unfortunately at cost of her own, but into other income producing and quality of life positions out there. And the world changed on where the demand for employees were. And line employees are are now at call centers and multilingual employees are on the phones and handling specialized calls, et cetera. So there's been a lot of movement out. There has to be a lot of work to get them back in and feeling welcome and respected. Like we try to do with Choice, not to sound like a company guy, but I'm very impressed with Choice, my 35 years and how they treat their people. And they have that retention rate based on that. Hotel of 2025, to Melissa's point, is going to be operating much more efficiently. It's going to be operating with much more staff, but it's also going to be providing a higher level of service, in my opinion. And it's going to vary based on the category of the hotel. If I'm going to a five star hotel and I'm fourth in line, and I know, Peter, your recent story about that, I'm going to be livid. If I'm at a mid scale hotel and you know what? I don't want to see anybody. I did everything on my phone. I'll wave hello. If they're there, I know they're there to help me if I need the help. So that's going to, there's going to be a lot more technology to help the hotels operate more efficiently based on the Uh, effects of this on balance sheets going forward, but it has to be a balance because if you're not providing the level of service a customer expects at the price point they're paying, then you're losing that customer for life. That's for sure.
2: And we also got to just looking ahead is I think a lot of companies realizing Zoom exploded onto the scene, Zoom, these programs now where you can do video conferencing, it may reduce the need for Mm -hmm. travel. So in yep. 2025, travel may be down, and we may not be seeing that same business. Like I said, for a year on one of my properties, I didn't slow, I didn't lose a beat because I had a bunch of guys who were working on construction; they couldn't it's something they couldn't do a Zoom over. And then you got businesses where,
4: and that'll know, always exist.
2: It's I didn't say travel. I'm just saying there's the advancement of technology. Like I said, Zoom just exploded onto the scene last year and went from no name to heck my mom's using it on her computer to do some of her work and she works mm-hmm. with public schools so it's we may see decline in business travel while we may see a rise in leisure travel just because people conventions um, are run.
4: coming back they're coming back strong for yeah late Maybe. this year early next year but yeah. it, it's going to be the business traveler the more upscale conference center facilities that will struggle the most with the return of guests. But we're here to talk about employees and well, use yeah. the resources you have. Your employees are your best recruiters. Make the example.
1: And and, and to your point, JD, that's a really good thing. Be your best, or each other's best recruiters and whatnot. But let's, the question I've always had is, Think about hotels in general. You travel to hotels when you need to work. There's a funeral. There's a wedding. There's good. They're happy. No matter what, hotels are always there for you as a consumer. You always can depend on them. So why can't we depend on each other to help find jobs? Why aren't we? Why aren't we supporting each other? Why, why? That's where we're falling in this labor market. Like we're not. I I I can reach out to forty of my colleagues that I've made millions of dollars for, and no one's banding together and helping me find a job. It's the thing is we want to help all of these people. And we say all of these big things about how we want to extend forward in this pandemic, but none of us are embracing each other. These companies that we work for are not embracing us. Marriott's not coming to me. Many of the other companies I work for is not coming to me and saying, Hey, Melissa, you did a great job. We want to at least help you find something somewhere else. You know what I mean? It's an unfor, it's unforgiving and it's relentless on the feeling of doing so much for somebody and making them and then being forgotten, it just kills you on your mental and emotional status.
4: Your colleagues other. are gone.
3: That's the well, human aspect yeah. that we hear yeah. a lot of, that same sentiment we hear a lot of. At the same time, I mm-hmm. post jobs for my students, alumni, and c- certificate takers, and I've never posted more jobs in my life. So one of the disconnects is yeah. that someone who worked a corporate office or a GM or an area DOS I I keep encouraging them to step down and take something that's open because there's thousands of jobs open. And as soon as you prove yourself, you move back up. But there's also resistance to do that. And I get it because you were at a higher salary before. But I have no
1: resistance. I'll do anything. that's how I have never
3: posted so (laughs) many jobs in my lifetime. But simultaneously, I hear so many people saying nobody's responding to me. So Mm -hmm. there's a disconnect somewhere. I don't really get it, but there's a disconnect somewhere. We have to
1: figure it out. But we have to figure, like, maybe not. It's not a feat for us five on this call right now. But that's what Project Save Hospitality is doing. There is jobs out there and people referring. But let me tell you something. I purposely apply for every hospitality job in New York City to see who will call me back. And I've gotten zero calls. I was DOS of the year pretty much. Where are these people now? David, I I
0: know that you've had an open job requisition and fewer candidates than you were actually expecting. Can you elaborate on that part as well?
2: Yeah, all my years working in hotels or, you know, even hiring for me, front desk position in my market is one that it's very desired. Like I would post a job in a week, I'll have 20 applicants. I can call 10 of them and I'll get... Six, seven of them show up. I recently had a position posted and it took me a month to fulfill because I've only had four applicants.
3: The norm. that's the norm. That's what's going on right now. The people are bailing the industry. That's our whole point. They're not interested.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. They're, they're
3: not interested. Well, the lie level. Know? If being a front desk agent is no longer a fun, interesting thing, When, especially when you're home getting stimulus and unemployment, that won't even be a consideration until the fall. And then Chipotle said, you know what? Everybody was complaining about raising minimum wage to $15. Now $15 is out the window. I have Mm -hmm. had two job postings under $15 in the past month. If you're still going to pay, I had a a hotel post today for $10 an hour. I said, lots of luck, lots of luck. Right. Because (laughs) that's that's not
2: acceptable. Not the pay. It's one thing for the pay to come up and someone says, no, cool. I'd rather just stay at home. And, but It's not even getting that interest. And then the people who are simply, who do apply, don't answer their phones. Or if they do answer, oh yeah, I'll be there. And then they never show up. And there's, yeah. There's more
1: options for, there's more options for line level people to transfer out of the industry than there is for directors of sales or GM. So if you, so let's put it this way. You know how we used to get 50 applications for a front desk manager. Now they're getting 50 jobs for one person. It's reverse the roles for a minute. So yeah. why if they have 50 options, are they gonna work for $10 an hour in a front desk? Not to diminish our industry whatsoever, but let's really think about it. And you know what? There's two ways we can think about it. We can think about it and say here and we can say, hey, listen, we have to raise pay or, or something, but what's really gonna make a change? What's really gonna be the change maker and who are those change makers going to be? Because right now, something needs to happen because things cannot function like this. And it Um, cannot continue to go on. I'm
3: telling you, the change maker, whoever steps up to the plate and says, we have listened. Here are our new staffing guidelines. Here is our new pay rate. And here are the new and improved benefits. Come try us as the leader in hospitality. They're going to win. I'm just waiting for someone to step up. I'm waiting. I
4: I wish we were in a position to do that. But without owning or operating, all we can do is give the best advice to our owners.
3: But you might have owners who step up.
4: Yeah, yeah. Be we're, try, we're pushing yeah. it
3: yeah, i can it.
1: promise you i can promise you peter will be nobody in new york city but i have i would love to be by your side for whatever you need help with for this because i am a change maker and i know i can make an impression but i can't do it alone it's and funny I you know. Like, me. I,
3: I rarely enjoy getting older but this time i was able to look <laughs> back and say wow this is what has happened This is what has Mm -hmm. happened over each crisis. We've cut, cut, cut to the point of, okay, I'm not going to work for months. I have time to think. And okay, now I know what's out there. So it's very weird. I'm comforted in the fact, and I'll give a shout out to Chris Nassetta at Hilton, that he responded within 20 minutes to my email, that he will think about it. Now, again, I don't know if his franchisee will, but maybe his corporate managed company properties will. And I am optimistic because I have a meeting with Seminole Gaming, and they also own Hard Rock International. So they own all the cafes around the world. So if somebody will do a move, I think Raj said the most important ingredient that's missing to young people or middle-aged people or anybody is a career path. If Chipotle mm-hmm. says, not, we're going to start you here, but if you are interested and you succeed, you can go here. Not everybody wants to go there. Some people are very fine doing their thing, but if there's a path, we have always lacked a path in this business. We all fall into the jobs, we fall into what we do, and there is no, no path like a doctor that goes to be a resident then has to do a year here and moves through a pathway. We've always lacked that guidance for our employees. And that's a biggie that keeps getting mentioned. So Raj was right on it. Yeah. I haven't seen that 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 plan. I knew they raised their wages, but I didn't see their path plan.
2: Yeah, the restaurant industry is always a step ahead of everyone on when it comes to like the, the kiosks started with restaurants and then these benefits start with restaurants. I think restaurants are quicker to act because there's a lot more of them than there are of hotels and the sleeping giant. We're we a sleeping giant in hospitality. We are slow to react and then whatever we do one brand copies another brand copies another brand and copies another brand so we're all selling the same breakfast we're just calling it a different thing restaurants their profit margins are really small i think it's between one to three percent i think unfortunately they are going to dictate what we do next and that's just and it's very odd for us as an industry to be dictated by another industry's advancements and placements we can definitely invest in all the people we can but we got also got to know is that our the owners and these owners of these properties, I know for my property last year, we, we typically make about quarter million dollars in revenue in April. I made $17,000. How do you pay bills of that? How is an owner supposed to take care of stuff like that? It's, I know we're all saying we need to offer all this stuff, but. Well, how'd
3: you do this April? More importantly.
2: <laughs> I did a lot better. I did a lot better. But a lot of I think a lot of <laughs> hotel owners are living, pay, doing paycheck to paycheck in a way, so they are barely just scraped mud. Like I, I think I said earlier, 36,000 hotels were looking to close down. I know New York State was hitting one of the hardest. They, I think they, was it one that historic- well, we got- High compensation,
4: yeah, we, performance, of the property. If,
1: if, if we have to, li- if we have to work, pay. Why should we, as the employees that are running their properties, have to live paycheck to paycheck and then feel bad when they have to do it when the owners I have to do it? People
2: have to feel bad. They're they are the ones. I'm signing. just saying. They are the ones signing the paychecks, and eventually they're
1: you can't millionaires. borrow,
2: you can't borrow yourself okay. into oblivion. Not you know, all. eventually, eventually, the cookies. There's no more cookies hmm. left in the cookie jar. Yeah. And yep. as
3: good business people they should bud- have budgeted right and no not over leveraged themselves that's the problem with the mm-hmm. hotel growth that, that's what i meant at, by that you, know, you the look at the or... performance and the performance they're over leveraged and they shouldn't be there in the first yep. place so i'm saying it's a total soul-searching thing to realize that you can make a handsome profit to meet your expectations and still treat people with care respect and a great work environment you just have to sit and do
4: that and even if that, the uh, are empty, build the plan so as they as your staff help you get there
2: yeah
4: the oh yeah it's
0: exactly
2: i think it's we're asking it's we're looking at micro solutions at a macro problem where for example i think new york you guys are still lockdowns or california is still partially locked down yeah i know for a long time that i mean Oklahoma here we never really fully locked down and we're hotels out here were able to survive a little bit better than compared to other areas because I have family that lives out in California they have sections of the state where you can't go anywhere but they'll go to other sections of the state where everything's open up and all that right now it's we're starting to see growth but we, we also never really fully shut down and then with the labor shortage a lot of my employees are just happen to be female and some of them have kids and if schools are still being virtual they couldn't come to work. While here, it's a little bit more city by city, but most of the cities here have gone to in-person teaching. So that kind of frees up those people. Because I think on um, CNBC, I got it pulled up over here, is that single parents are the ones who are least likely to return back to the labor force. And if you got nowhere to put your kids, you can't go to work. And like I said, it's very regional, like Oklahoma, Texas, and we didn't shut down. news there kids, there's still ain't school sessions. So they're able to drop off their kids and go to work. I know like California, they're still doing virtual learning for most part. And I think Florida never really shut down. Florida's pretty much a crazy state of the, you know, the union. So <laughs> they never shut down. Wait. They, they open. can open a new can still be open the next day. But it's just we're dealing with regional restrictions because I don't think, I mean, the pandemic did some restrictions on us, but we also, it's also based on what government allowed us to open up to. Yeah, you know, and I think as the industry, we definitely stepped up. Like we, we changed our cleaning procedures. We implemented all these new stuff. But it d- that didn't really matter if you couldn't open your hotel because you could only have certain personnel allowed to stay. It was like, and then you had to keep track of them. I mean, Oklahoma didn't really implement it. I know New York you had to keep track of them. But they got sick there. And the state is putting kind of undue burdens on businesses, which to a certain point, that's a right. That's they're in for the protection, but what point do we say the industry like we did what we did the right thing i've worked through the whole pandemic i did not get sick i've had three employees who got sick and they didn't get sick at work i've only had one yeah. person let's got, hope
4: that's behind us i'm sorry exactly let's hope that's all behind yeah.
2: us yeah yeah, it's, yeah. It, all, like i said that's just my personal experience here my parents got sick i they're both fine but it's just it's, I, don't know, I don't know i don't know from a like,
3: from a labor perspective, what lingers in my mind, and Melissa's touched on this, is that the employees felt abandoned. The government was doing all kinds of things to help people, help the hotels, help the restaurants. They come back and say, why would you just lay me off after 30 years? Couldn't you have a pecking order? Couldn't you have something? Or, now that you're back making money again, can't you hire me back and pay me some kind of bonus for all the time I gave you? People feel bitter, and they have mm-hmm. every right to feel better. Uh, I I agree. But we have to move past the bitterness and say, okay, how can we remake that hotel of 2025? I don't know that most owners will ever have reserves to float for six Um, months. But I can tell you here, if there were our upscale independent hotels, they floated their employees for a long time because they they were smart enough. They weren't stock driven and they had reserves. The, the yeah, stock-driven yeah. companies do not have reserves because that's not how it works. You get money, you buy new hotels. So it's uh, it's interesting.
0: Yeah, Peter, as you said uh, earlier, I think it's a moment for soul-searching and it's a moment in, in time where the entire hospitality industry is reforming itself based on the new, completely shifted guest expectations that are different from the assumptions that we've built all of our hotels, all of our rooms, and everything around the experience on. As uh, David was mentioning, taking inspiration from the restaurant industry, our cousins in the hospitality space, we've seen that there's been rapid innovation, a huge amount of automation. You press one button on Uber Eats, and this entirely, this really complex mechanism kind of fires on the back end, and then food <laughs> shows up at your door. It's I think they, this is our moment in the hotel industry to invent and to innovate our way out of this, as we've done in every single crisis and, and challenge in the past and emerge stronger exactly the way that we've done. And I want to actually start uh, wrapping up. It seems like we could go for hours here because it's such a rich topic for discussion. And I want to thank all of our incredible panelists for an energetic uh, and honest discussion around this topic that has not been getting enough attention in the media and in the hotel world in generally. And I, I do invite, to echo what Peter said, I do invite thought leaders and management in our space To take that stance in the way that Chipotle has uh, taken to say that this is, you know, where you start, this is where you can go and make sure that, as Melissa said, that our employees and our community is our biggest asset. I do think we are a sleeping giant, to go back to David's point there. And uh, as JD mentioned, I do think that also, I totally agree that automation and the on-demand guest experience is exactly where the hotel of 2025 has to be. And we may see that as early as 2022 next year because... This change is so total and it's immediate. And we as an industry have to to really innovate at this point. Just want to thank everybody for their uh, incredible contributions in this uh, this panel. I learned a lot from each of uh, you. And I think as far as the next steps, I do want to invite everybody that listened in, if you tuned in this far, I hope you enjoyed the discussion and, and that you learned something as well. If you found this through a LinkedIn uh, posting, please go back to that LinkedIn posting, give us your feedback, give us your commentary on how are you seeing the hospitality staffing crisis play out from your uh, point of view and how do you see us innovating out of it? What is it that we should do as an industry in banding together together? And creating a better future for not just the guests, but also for the staff that are so essential to our business in a way that is sustainable and we can rely on for the decades to come in this new economy that is emerging, that is more remote work focused and on demand for everything. And separately, we just want to thank everybody for tuning into the Hotel Moment Deep Dive and I encourage everybody to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We will be having more discussions like this and invite other leaders in the industry to share their perspective. So thank you everybody and have a great one and stay safe out there.